You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio on yet another bad day for Chris Grayling. The man who has become synonymous with failure in government has come in for yet another shellacking after reforms he brought in as Justice Secretary on probation are set to be reversed. His privatisation of the system has been judged to have been a complete and utter disaster and so now it's being renationalised. Maybe uh, they can take a leaf out of this particular probationary book and do it to the prisons while they're at it because they're not working either. 0344 is it any wonder that this government is so useless when somebody like Chris Grayling is still in it? I mean, has he done anything right, this guy? I don't think he has. Coming up first today, though, we're kicking off with the story that illustrates just how much the powers that be in this country hate motorists. The number of parking penalties issued by private companies has increased tenfold in ten years and was up by a million in just the last year alone. And this morning, we're told that drivers will be handed £100 fines for ignoring warning signs on smart motorways. Just more reasons why the government hates us and wants to continually crucify the motorist. We'll be asking for your stories this morning. If you've had a row with a private parking company, if you've managed to win uh, an appeal against them, if they've chased you through the courts, if they've made your life a misery, we want your stories. 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll find out all the fuss is about with Japanese knotweed. Is it really as much of a threat as we think? Is it really upending houses? Is it really making streets undrivable on? And we'll be asking back why the heck they are sticking their noses into the climate change debate. Apparently, they think we should be commissioning more television about climate change. Heaven help us. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there are many things that annoy people in life. Uh, sometimes you get stuck in a traffic jam. Sometimes you get a parking ticket when you really didn't think you should have got one. Sometimes uh, you get a speeding ticket for going two miles over the speed limit. Sometimes you get a letter in the post from somebody saying that you were caught, you were caught on camera doing something that you didn't think you should have been doing in a car, and here's a £100 fine. We're going to talk now uh, to Philip Gom from the RAC Foundation because this morning we are told that not only are we going to be facing £100 penalty fines for not doing what we're told on smart motor ways which isn't always easy to do and uh, also one million extra parking fines have been issued 
over the, the course of the past year by private parking companies. Now, technically, these are fees that you don't actually have to pay because it is not an illegal thing to do to park on private land. However, it's a slightly uh, thorny subject, so let's find out from Philip precisely what we should be doing about it. Philip, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's kick off with the parking, first of all, because some people don't always realise that, depending on where they park, um, the, the ticket that they get is either from a private company or from, a, say, local council. And the two things are quite different, aren't they? They, they are, and uh, you need to be a little bit careful about where you, you do park and under what circumstances. Obviously, if you park on a public highway and in some council-run car park, then it's the local authority who will come after you yeah. if they uh, believe you've committed indiscretion. A private car park is often going to be the supermarket car park, the leisure centre car park, the yeah. McDonald's car park, and they are run on behalf of the landowners, uh, in most cases, by these private parking firms. And figures from the DVLA show that these firms in the last year have requested 6.8 million vehicle keeper records which allows them to go after the the keepers of, of, of cars and other vehicles uh, if that parking firm claims you've uh, uh, done something wrong on that land right and what's the difference in terms of whether um, you can fight each of these particular parking fines for example um, if you if you decide to appeal um, uh, a, say a council one which you've got from parking on a street um, that is a fairly well-worn process and a fairly straightforward way of doing that. But with some of these private companies, it's not so easy, is it? No, no, it's not. Uh, I, I would say do not ignore the ticket because yeah. evidence shows uh, that they will come after you uh, and the situation can deteriorate very quickly. Right. The first thing to do is to try and throw yourself on the mercy of these parking companies and uh, explain why you think you shouldn't have got the ticket in the first place. I have to say most of those uh, uh, calls, most of those sort of throwing yourself on the mercy are, are going to go unheeded mm. but uh, the so-called legitimate uh, parking companies who are members of uh, registered trade associations uh, they should then refer you even if they dismiss your appeal uh, to an independent appeal service uh, that the parking uh, trade associations themselves <laughs> run mm. uh, and they will hear your case and it could be that you're overturned at that stage the final thing you can do is if you have no joy and you really think that that uh, you've been hard done by is go to the county court and, and fight it out there. But this is a long and tortuous process. And, you know, the, the fact that we're getting nearly 7 million of these tickets issued uh, a year is not a sign of a system working. It's a sign of a system that's failing. Well, exactly right. And, I mean, often uh, in these cases of, of parking suspensions, people don't quite understand what that means. Why don't you explain that one to us? Because it happens in London an awful lot where you'll drive down a street and you'll see some maybe parking metres or, or a, some parking bays and it'll have a sign up saying parking suspended and I for, for one and many other people that I know don't really know what that means Well uh, the, the councils can get temporary uh, uh, orders to uh, uh, close parking bays, they can uh, close roads uh, where necessary they can, you know, when they're carrying out repairs but again it's not the fact that they have to do this work or suspend bays it's wherever it is, have they made a reasonable effort to inform people of the decisions they're taking, uh, can people understand the information in the heat of the moment yeah. and even if they do carry out an indiscretion are they really certainly on private land uh, supposedly liable for fines of up to a hundred pounds yeah. i mean you know it, even if you do make an honest mistake surely a hundred pounds for parking slightly over a line or slightly overstaying your welcome uh, uh, is disproportionate well it certainly is i mean there's a park there's a there's a, a public car park in uh, the town in sussex where i live right 
and they have a charge of a pound, I think it is, for an hour. Um, but if you don't pay the pound, uh, you get a fine of £80, which seems entirely disproportionate. You know, I mean, you can pay 40 uh, if you if you uh, pay it within two weeks or something like that. But even so, you know, 40 times or 80 times the actual amount you should have paid, maybe because you didn't have a pound coin because there's no other way to pay, is ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, that, that's an arguable case and, and some ways say, well, you know, you, you didn't pay, so you, you, you get what, what uh, you get your comeuppance. But yeah, we, but we not have, everybody wanders about with pound coins well, no, in well, their absolutely, pockets. Absolutely, and we've, we've said that, uh, that there should also be other tr- types of technology. You know, everything is sort of contactless nowadays. You know, there should, should be other ways of doing it, doing right. it by phone. But, but one of the, the situations we continue to hear, particularly on private land, is where somebody is trying to do the right thing. They go to the machine, they type in their uh, registration number, they mistype a zero for an right. O or an O for yes. a zero. They've tried to do the right thing, and just because of that small, honest mistake, uh, they get a bill for right. £100 come through the post. Exactly. Well, n- nobody can say that's fair. No, it's not. And also, I don't think they've got the right, in a way, to make you put your registration number in, because effectively, if, for example, you were to buy a parking ticket for an hour, for a pound, you put your registration number in, now you should be entitled then to keep that space for an hour, shouldn't you? So if you leave after half an hour and you give your ticket, as people used to do, to somebody else who's just coming into the car park, they then occupy that space. You know, how is the council losing money if they've got the pound for the hour already? Well, well, I have to agree with you. I mean, you know, we we all do it. We all try and be good citizens, help our our, our, our neighbouring motorists, our fellow motorists out and and, and pass on a ticket. As you say, the space has been paid for. Exactly. So, you know, why why, uh, need there be any issue about it? I mean, it's a bit like renting a hotel room and then moving out after you've been in there for two hours (laughs) and giving it to somebody else. Yes, well, well, exactly. You've paid for that uh, uh, space for a period of time and, uh, you know, arguably you should be able to do within reason what what you like with it. Um, You know, we've never said there should be a parking free-for-all. I mean, you do need rules and restrictions, but, you know, that to, to, for us to be talking on the radio when so much else is going on about parking, mm. you know, I think it just shows how things have become skewed. Well, it really does. And what about the uh, parking suspension thing? Just sorry to go back to it. If it says parking suspended in these bays, does that mean you can't park there? Uh, yes, and, and there should be uh, times and dates, and they should have gone up these restrictions some time before the stric- restrictions come into force, so you've had uh, warnings about it. But so, shouldn't they put a no- notice up that says, do not park here while this bay is suspended? Because it doesn't say that, and a lot of people don't know that that's what it means. Uh, well, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll have to check my, uh, my my signs and lines manual to see exactly what they should be doing. But, yeah. you know, uh, yes, again, it's just about providing basic information so people can make informed choices, not make the wrong decision inadvertently and mm. not to be on the receiving end of a fine, whether it comes from a private parking company or yeah. uh, from the local authority. And again, uh, the other reason why we can get quite rightly wound up about the, the, the council kind of operations uh, here is because they have got some very overzealous parking wardens who will stick um, a ticket on your car if you're just a minute over, you know, rather than giving you a reasonable... There used to be a reasonable sort of period uh, of, of, of perder where they would go, well, look, we'll give you five minutes. You know, if you come back within five minutes, that's fine. If it's ten minutes, well, you, you'll get a ticket. But now... You get one literally as soon as the, the time is up. Well, uh, that shouldn't be the case. Again, it should be that there is, a, I believe, a 10-minute grace period for, you know, <laughs> you, you having to Good sort luck of... with that. Yeah, running, running back to the car because your train was late getting yeah. in or, you know, the, you, you, the queue at the shop was a bit longer.
longer than you expected or, or whatever it was. It's just about reasonableness, yes. isn't it? Well, it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. I've actually successfully appealed many parking tickets, particularly when I used to be in Edinburgh, because uh, I worked for a radio station. We had these radio cars that would go out all over the place, and they used to always get tickets because they were parking somewhere because there was a news event or something like that. And quite often, uh, and here's a tip for anybody who's listening, and there's nothing illegal about this, uh, you challenge the, um, uh, the synchronicity of the parking warden's watch with the actual timing on the machine. And if they're out, and they never know whether they're in or out, really, um, they can't guarantee that the parking warden's time was right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, there we, there we are. I've, I've just noted all that down. Isn't so, that good? Uh, I, I'm going to save take that, that one. Yeah, put it in my back that, pocket. Take for, that as a free tip. Yeah. But what about some of these private parking places where they have these kind of ridiculous rules, but they're written on the back of a postage stamp and stuck at the far end of the car park where nobody can see it? Uh, well, th th that shouldn't be allowed, and you know that would be one of the the, the ways that you uh, make your appeal, whether it's to the company itself, whether it's to the appeal service that the the industry runs. Mm. Uh, but you know, you as a driver might uh, feel per perhaps rightly that uh, all of the odds are stacked against you, that the yeah. appeal system itself has been set up by mm. the industry. How can that be fair? So what has just happened in Parliament is Sir Greg Knight MP, bless him, has passed uh, or got through Parliament his parking code of practice bill that's now law and that paves the way for a code of practice for industry that's owned by ministers an appeal service that's owned by ministers and it sets the way for also having an independent ombudsman so perhaps finally we will get to a point where we're not seeing as you pointed out a situation where uh, millions of tickets are being issued each year yeah. uh, compared with just a, a few hundred thousand a decade ago well exactly right and let's move on to this uh, hundred pound fine which we're being told this morning in the times is going to be affecting quite a lot of drivers uh, who are using smart motorways because smart motorways will close lanes they put that red x above a lane and you're supposed to move out of the lane it's not clear how soon you're supposed to move out of the lane but presumably it's as soon as possible Yes, uh, as, as soon as you see that red X, you should be uh, moving over. One of the, the, the challenges, of course, for, for, for drivers and I suppose Highways England who manage the motorways in, in England is that the spacing of the gantries could be that you see a red X and yet the incidence itself could be many miles beyond that gantry just because there aren't any gantries closer to the incident for them to put the red X up. And, of course, drivers driving along think, well, OK, I've moved over, I can't see anything, no, nope, nothing here, no, nope, no, another mile's gone, nothing here. And so they believe that Highways England are crying wolf. So we would say that there is a strong argument for penalising people who put other drivers in danger by driving in these closed lanes. But equally, the information that is put up on the gantries should be accurate... Yes. And it should be at reasonable distances. And also, people can be confused. I mean, we've had stories before uh, in the last few weeks of people being very confused by some of the signage uh, on motorways because they simply can't actually uh, figure out what it is that you're being told to do. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, the rollout of, of smart motorways, uh, managed motorways, which is where you have the, the hard shoulder opening up as a running lane I mean, either some of the time or all of the time can, can we stop, it's, it's not an easy can we, can uh, we stop calling them smart can we stop <laughs> calling them smart motorways because <laughs> yeah. all they really are are motorways where you can drive on the hard shoulder that's what it is well it, it, exactly and I think really smart I, I, I think because Highways England have called them smart motorways there is an expectation that all of the information that is portrayed yeah. will be accurate 100% of the time right. and understandable by 100% of the drivers and I'm not sure that that is the case no I don't think it is and particularly when for example you come up against some roadworks in a, in a motorway situation and you get the uh, the splitting of the road for example and it says you know if you want to take this exit stay to the left if you don't want to take this exit stay to the right 
that's very difficult sometimes at 50 or 60 miles an hour to kind of take in and figure out what to do. Yeah, well, we had a presentation about it from Highways England who I think belatedly have realised this is a, a, a real problem. Yeah. We saw a plethora of signs, uh, uh, lines and lines of cones, uh, temporary uh, lines drawn on the road, people travelling along at uh, you know legitimate speeds and suddenly confronted with this array of information that they have very little chance to understand, let alone follow. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, often uh, the result is... Uh, a danger to safety and, and quite possibly another uh, ticket along the way so yeah you know <laughs> most people most of the time don't set out to do the wrong thing nobody wants to get no. a, a hundred pound fine no, whether it's on not. the motorway or in a private parking uh, uh, a private car park so but they've again, issued... it's just trying to to, to to get the information across to people yeah. in a way they can understand they them. say they've issued 180,000 letters to people since the start of 2017 1500 a week that is now that can't be 1500 people who just are refusing to comply with the regulations many of those people will have done that accidentally, surely. Well, I, I think that has to be the, the case. I mean, you know, when I set off to, to visit my uh, my aunt 100 miles away and drive around the M25, mm. you know, I, I'm not looking to infringe any rules and restrictions. No. I've got enough other problems in my life exactly. to, to worry about that. So, you know, again... Are these huge numbers a sign of a system working or a system failing? Yes. And I think we would say the higher the numbers, whether it's parking or you know penalties or other aspects of motoring, is a sign that something's going wrong. Not a sign that, yeah, great, we've caught another bunch of people. No, I think you're absolutely right. Philip, thanks very much indeed. Philip Gom from the RAC Foundation there talking about how this really is an indication of a system going wrong, not a system going right. But we want to hear your stories this morning, of course, because if you've been involved uh, with any of these private parking companies, whether you've won, whether you've lost, whether they've chased you, whether they haven't chased you, we want to know your story. 0344 499 1000. Uh, David says, all these stories about parking make me happy. I live in Atherston in Warwickshire where parking is free. Well, I think I might just come there just for the sake of actually parking somewhere where it doesn't cost a load of money. John says you can refuse to pay par private parking tickets because it is just a civil dispute. They want it and you don't want to pay, so don't. It is not a criminal offence. Well, that's fine, John. The trouble is they will treat that as a litigious situation and they will take you to court and they will ruin your credit rating if they win and they get a county court judgment against you. That is what can happen. And they can set the bailiffs on you and there's all sorts of civil things that they can do. So I wouldn't recommend not paying it. What I would recommend is challenging it. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Every day this week on Julie Hartley Brewer's breakfast show, she was interviewing a candidate for the European elections from each of the major political parties running in next Thursday's vote. This morning, it was the turn of Daniel Hannan to speak to Julia as a candidate for the Conservative Party. She asked him whether the Tories should align with the Brexit Party as opposed to Jeremy Corbyn. The last thing I want is to be fighting another European election. I had expected by now to be walking away with Brexit having been completed and, and quitting politics, instead of which I, I find myself having to do this again. And, but the reason in the end that I, I felt I had to stand and the reason I'd ask people to, to, to vote for us is there has to be a space in the argument for an internationalist, deregulated, liberal vision of, of Brexit. And uh, although I totally get people who want to vote Brexit to make it you know, clear that they, they support it and so on, you know, we already did that. We did that three years ago, more of us voted Leave than have voted for anything. I'm interested in what happens the day after Brexit. So, you know, the, the, the Brexit party makes a virtue, to be fair to them, of saying, look, we, we've got everyone from far left to hard right, and we all just come together 
to want to get this thing done. OK, great. But what about the, d- the day after that? That was Daniel Hannan speaking to Julie Hartley Brewer this morning on Talk Radio. He's running to become a member of the European Parliament for South East England and other parties with candidates running in that region next Thursday's European election include the Brexit Party, Change UK, the English Democrats, the Green Party, the Labour Party, Liberal Democrats, the Socialist Party of Great Britain, the UK European Union Party and UKIP. And there are also three independent candidates, Jason McMahon, David Round and Michael Turberville. Uh, we'll be hearing more uh, from Julie Hartley of course from 6.30 tomorrow morning uh, on the No Nonsense Breakfast. How about this from Evelyn who says, my sister's clutch went in a service station, she had no breakdown cover and we had to pay £480 for a recovery truck to take her home. She couldn't afford it. We had to wait for paperwork from the company and had a £60 fine from CPL. We are appealing but doubt it will be successful. Well, that was an expensive uh, clutch I can imagine. Uh, you should really get breakdown cover because that is an awful lot cheaper than 480 quid, uh, even for one particular pickup. 0344 1,000. Let's speak to Gavin, uh, who's in Stirling. Hello, Gavin. Hello, how hey. are you? Yeah, very well, sir. What would you like to say? Basically, I stopped in the services up here last year. Right. Um, I stopped on my way to my friends. There's a Costa Coffee there, so I generally stopped uh-huh. on the way. Right. And I left the services pretty much straight away. Came back, same way, stopped there four hours after. Right. And got a ticket saying that I'd parked there for the whole time. Really? They what, do you actually get a physical ticket? Yeah, I had a ticket through uh, with a with a picture of my car parked. Right, oh, OK, so they sent they sent you the ticket, you didn't get it on the actual car? Yeah. No, no, Right. they sent me it, but the two pictures were completely different parking spaces. Right. Um, I phoned them up, complained about it, had to get my friend to confirm that I'd actually been to his house during the time that they had claimed I was parked there. Right. And they dropped it in the end. Right. But I think a lot, a, a, lot, a lot of the time they just try it on, I think, Gavin, don't they? Yeah, but I think it's like two-hour limit, and they tell people if you're tired, stop driving. Yes. You know, people are going to have a nap, and, you know, you can just get a ticket. Yeah, like, and, I mean, what is the point of that? Driving. And what's the point of that? Because, I mean, what's the problem parking in a place where there's a car park where you're supposed to be able to yeah. park? I don't understand why they have the right to fine you at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that say, oh, you don't need to actually pay these tickets. They're yeah. not... Like, well, well, that's you know, true, but stuff. the problem with that is that if you don't pay it, some of them will get quite nasty and they'll try and take you through uh, the legal system and try and get you somehow uh, to, uh, to to get a civil judgment against you, and then that can affect your credit rating. So it's a risky thing to not pay, you know. But I'm glad you got it sorted out, Gavin. Thank you for that. Unbelievable, isn't it? Some of these people are really, really disgraceful, disgusting. They prey on those who don't know how to get out of situations, uh, and they shouldn't be allowed to do it. 0344 499 1000. We'll hear more of your stories. Let's talk uh, to Paul, who's in Leeds. Hello, Paul. Hello. Yeah, morning. What do you want to say? Um, so, I was, uh, I'm working quite, uh, well, working away quite a lot. Yeah. My company booked a hotel for me in Bedford. Obviously, I'm not going to mention any names. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I've had a room booked for one night with breakfast and the car park. Yeah. All good. Obviously, the car park, well, the car park at this company has been, well, it was managed by a private company with yeah. these all fancy cameras. Okay. And, well, a few weeks later, I've received a parking ticket saying, mm. well, you have to pay us £100 because you spent two and a half hours and you didn't pay for the car park. Right. Obviously, I spent longer than right. two and a half hours. I was there for a night, so I appealed, sent him a message uh, back saying, look, that, that was all pre-booked, yeah. prepaid, 
I sent them the voucher which I received from my company when they booked me uh, right. to this hotel. So you actually paid a separate parking ticket fee as well to park No, there. no, no. No, so uh, at the time when we were booking hotel, yeah. um, it's actually all itemized. So the price includes uh, room, um, oh, I see. Okay. breakfast, right. and, the, and the car park. And parking, yeah, right. Okay. okay. Yes. So I've sent this um, to the company as a proof. And then this morning, I've received an email because it always says, you know, we will reply to you within 28 days. And this morning, I've received the email from them saying, as a goodwill gesture, we will let you just pay £20 as uh, somewhere, and I don't know where, probably somewhere around the world, it says, uh, it's clearly, clearly stated you have to register your company, uh, sorry, your car details at reception. To be honest, yeah. I can't remember whether I've done it or not. Sure. I think... If the screen was there, probably I did, and probably the reception staff should, again, inform me whether I need to do it or not. Right. Um, but I think it's really not fair when, I, when I'm when i producing the evidence of course. that, yes, it's been paid. Yeah. Why, you know, what's that all about? I know, that's, that's wrong, isn't it? And also, what do the, I mean, the hotel should really be getting them to, to, to get off your case as well, shouldn't they? But I think that's the next step for me. Obviously, I've received this letter, uh, email this morning. Right. So next thing, what I'm going to do, I will, I will just contact hotel and ask them for help because, again, again it's, okay, from £100 going to 20 is not a lot of money. I think that's that why the companies are doing it. Mm. But why should I pay £20 when my company actually paid for this car park? Yeah, I know. It's nonsense. And also, it's time-consuming. And I'm sure you've got a busy life, Paul, and you've got businesses to, to run and work to do and families to take care of. And the last is stressful as well for a lot of people. I mean, you, you sound as if you, you're handling it fine. But for a lot of people, it would worry them, you know? Yeah, and obviously, people like, uh, our, let's say, my parents, yeah. who don't use computer, don't use emails, and the only way to communicate or appealing any mm. tickets is by submitting an uh, online form. Right. Yeah, so and you I'm can't sure even do that, or, or trying to phone them up, which is even more you know, harassing and difficult. Yeah. And I'm sure there's many people, plenty of people, who will just pay £20 because it's nothing comparing to yeah. 100 and £120. But in principle, that's really, really not fair. No, absolutely right. Well, I hope you win, Paul, and I hope you... Well, you should win. It's not even a question of hoping. Uh, you should win, and then maybe we'll talk about it again. Thank you very much indeed, Paul, there in Leeds. I mean, I've, te- I've parked in many hotels where they charge exorbitant rates, like £25 a night sometimes, uh, if you have to uh, use one of their car parks, and uh, to then be given a ticket, having already paid for it, is absolutely and utterly disgraceful. I also got a ticket once from... Um, a new little shop that opened up. I went to this new little shop to check it out. Well, I didn't know because they didn't have a sort of very big sign that said so. Uh, you were supposed to type in uh, your registration number as you were leaving the shop to make sure that you had the right to park in their car park. I didn't do that because I didn't know you had to. And uh, I got a, a ticket for 90 quid. And I was like, well, this is a nice way to welcome me to the new store that you opened up. Um, and I did appeal it, and they did let me off. And, and I, I showed them that uh, I'd actually got... But luckily, I'd kept the receipt uh, that I'd actually used, that I actually got from the store, uh, so that they let me off. But, I mean, what a ludicrous thing to do. I mean, if you're parking at the little uh, shopping centre, you're not likely to be doing anything other than shopping there, are you? 0344 499 1000. I'm sure I won't find anybody who's going to defend these parking companies. But if you're working for one of these private parking companies, I'd love to hear from you because I'd love to know why you think it is allowed to uh, hound and and, and and sort of just chase people constantly trying to get them to give you money, which they shouldn't have to give you. Can you justify that on the air right now to me on Talk Radio? 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, how about this from Simon? My wife got a fine in the post from Oxford Park and Ride because it took her 10 minutes to buy the ticket after entering the car park. The fact that she had two 85-year-olds to get out of the car, that there was a sudden downpour in a queue at the ticket machine, made no difference. Well, you should have been able to repeal that one. One would have hoped, but uh, some of these people really are ghastly, terrible, awful people. Uh, but we'll talk some more about those coming up very, very shortly. Let's talk instead, though, now to Martin Roberts. Martin, welcome to the show. Very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thank you very much for joining us. What's the big deal about Japanese knotweed? How horrible is it? And, and are we doing enough to stop its spread? Well, the irony is that Japanese knotweed, for people who don't know, was, a, was an ornamental plant that was introduced at the start of the 19th century because it was pretty. It looks a bit like a uh, bit like bamboo, but with a, with a, with an orange sort of stem. Right. The problem is, it loves itself, and it propagates like no tomorrow. It's like rabbit right. in, uh, in, in the in 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 the plant world. And unfortunately, in order to propagate itself, it goes through whatever it can get its hands on, which includes concrete, uh, foundations, uh, walls, children, uh, anything that's in the way. It will just grow. Mm. And um, for the last, don't know, I don't know how long, it has been what's called a notifiable. Plant. So if you get one of these little devils in your garden, you have to tell the council because they come along and they nuke it, all right? Because it's very bad. Now, the problem we've got is that if you get it in your garden, it is quite... It's not exactly impossible to eradicate, but it does take a bit of work. If you get it, it immediately devalues your house Mm. because nobody wants a house with Japanese knotweed. And some of the mortgage companies are a little bit, not surprisingly, sniffy about taking on a mortgage in a property which has Japanese knotweed. Now, what the government is proposing doing is saying we're being a little bit too strict here because we're saying if you have anything within seven metres of Japanese knotweed, which is quite a long way, then it's classified as in danger of potentially being got to by the Japanese knotweed. We're going to reduce that number. That's what they're suggesting right. because they're very worried about all the people who are going, oh, lardy or my house has gone down in value because I've got Japanese knotweed. I mean, this stuff could, could, could potentially take over the country by the sounds of it. I mean, how do they actually nuke it? And can you do that yourself? Or do you have to use terribly horrible chemicals? 
I think well, I use nuke not lightly. I mean, you do need uh, one of those bombers from the Second World War to come <laughs> along with a, an industrial quantity of fairly noxious. You wouldn't want to get anywhere near it, especially a cat or a dog or a fish right. kind of chemical. Right. Uh, and and then even even then it goes. You're not going to get me. Not that you didn't kill off this microscopically small part of my root, and therefore I'm going to repopulate the world with that little bit. It's like bloody day of the triffids <laughs> all over again. And anybody who says it's less than that is a complete muppet. Yes. Well, listen. They're having meetings in Parliament about it. That's how uh, serious this has become. They're having committees. They're pulling in professionals to talk about it. Uh, they're getting advice on all of these people. But surely it's a bit rich, is it not? for some of these mortgage companies to say, oh, we can't lend you a mortgage because there's some Japanese knotweed. I mean, why don't they just get rid of it? Have you seen H.G. Wells' War of the World? Oh, I have. Uh, right, have you seen Day of the Triffids? I have seen Day of the Triffids. In fact, Day of the Triffids is famously yeah. famously uh, is, is, is um, centred around a house in the road in which I grew up. Well, there you go. You're closer to it than I could have possibly imagined. Yeah. Imagine if Day of the Triffids is propagating in the house next door to where you live. It's not surprising people are a bit cheesed off about this. Mm. Now, look, the reality is... Um, there needs to be sensible guidelines. And if there is now scientific evidence to prove that actually the exclusion zone needs to be less than seven metres, and it's been scientifically checked, then I will run with that and say, OK, maybe it's not seven metres, maybe it's three metres or two metres. But you can't underestimate the devilishness of this plant. Uh, it gets everywhere. If you think dandelions are a problem, you want to take on Japanese <laughs> not weed, but boy. Yeah, listen, I'm told as well that one of the things that they use to get rid of it is called glyph- glyphosate, ah. which which apparently uh, the European Union is trying to ban. So another good reason well, the, to get out of the EU. It, the story, uh, of course, in America recently was that a couple successfully proved, and it is being, it is about to be um, uh, go to appeal. But they have pr- proved in, in the in, in, in the lives of majority that they had got cancer from using glyphosate. Yes. They were offered two offered two billion pounds wow. dollars. In, in compensation. Mm. So there is a question mark out of glyphosate. Obviously, Bayer, the producer, is saying, uh, actually, we think it's pretty safe in the whole scheme of things. You obviously have to follow, follow the directions very, very carefully. But maybe it's not as safe as we were led to believe. But glyphosate, I don't know if glyphosate on its own would do it. You need really, really nasty stuff to get rid of this. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a picture, which is in uh, one of the online stories about this today, of a guy it's standing uh, it's a guy standing in um, uh, what looks like a, a field of this stuff but it's above his head and it looks as if it stretches for about half a mile towards a sort of local shopping centre. It's somewhere in Swansea, apparently. So, I mean, I I take your point. Trip it, trip it, trip it. Think Think slowly. And then the night, it makes strange creeping noises as well. So you wake up in the morning and it'll be three feet closer (laughs) to your property. That's really weird, isn't it? And does it actually, like, disrupt foundations and crack pavements and all that? Uh, imagine a um, a plant version of a hammer drill yeah. combined with a mole uh, with a real attitude, and you've got the kind of thing that this thing is doing. It is going for it big time. It's burrowing the concrete. It's, it's it's digging its way across your patio and your lawn. Blimey. It's making its way through your under. It is. Yeah, it's I bad. mean, as it's as, bad, bad. as is per the norm in this country now, we like to find somebody to blame for it. Can we find the person who initially imported it in the first place as the person we well, can point to and probably, say it's your fault? It's probably some harmless gardener called Doris. Yeah. in the 1900s, who said, "This is a pretty plant. Let's plant a bit of this, shall we, dear?" <laughs> and and we did. And little did we know that it would take over the world. It's a fiendish plot. It may well have come from space. Right. Are you sure about this? Yeah. Space. Well, I doubt it may well. I mean, I'm absolutely certain. 
about the spatial origins right. of it. But I think it's so evil. It is the sort of thing that would either be introduced by a Bond villain right. or have come from a different planet. And does it exist in other countries? I mean, is, are we the only people that seem to have a problem with it? No, but it does in, exist on other planets, which is where it gets really scary. Right. It really it's is. all over the world. You take that seriously. Stop it. Yeah. It, 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 it is all over the world. But we just in other places, people don't care. But because, because we have a density of housing in this country, yeah. it's more likely that it's going to be a problem. Mm. Blimey. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm more worried about it now than I was before. I'm going to now start searching the countryside where I live to see if I can find any of it, because I haven't seen it anywhere from what I can... These pictures I'm looking at, it's got quite big leaves that look a bit like sort of giant dock leaves. Um, and I don't know, what, what other sort of characteristics do you have to look out for? But the main thing that gives it away is it's red. It's the red tinge to the stem of the plant. Okay. That's what really gives it away. So imagine something which looks a bit like bamboo. Right. So long, thin things with a slightly bigger leaf. Right. And then the actual stem is red. Okay. It's a deep colour red. But I'm really sorry if I've touched on a part of your history and your past and your childhood, <laughs> which is now going to give you reoccurring nightmares. Well, it could do. It's very possible. But listen, Martin, great, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Martin Roberts from Homes Under the Hammer. He's very fired up about this Japanese knotweed stuff. And of course, as we were saying, they've been meeting uh, in parliamentary committee rooms to talk about this stuff. Norman Lamb, uh, the Lib Dem from North Norfolk, uh, has said that knotweed is a wrecker for people trying to sell or buy a home. I had no idea that mortgage companies will not give you a mortgage if you've got some of this stuff growing near your house. It's crazy, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. Many of you must have some encounter with this stuff. I'm going to start looking for it now because I'm slightly worried uh, that it might upend my house in some way, shape or form. Let's talk to Susan, who's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Is it afternoon? Good afternoon. Yes, it is. Just Good afternoon, my 14 minutes right. past 12. Yeah, I got it right for once. Well done. I'm quite proud of myself that. Um, sweetie, Japanese knotweed, I did know that it was introduced in Victorian times did you? for its prettiness. Yeah, right. Because it was published in a very popular tabloid newspaper a couple of years ago. Ah, okay. I was also aware that it can grow up through a concrete floor into people's houses. Right. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. But I'm on the lookout. I didn't know it had a reddish stem. It sounds as if it's related to the bamboo family. Well, it's uh, it, it's, it's said it, to look so, a bit like bamboo, the, the stem, anyway. Yeah, but it, I wonder if they've actually looked at it scientifically because it sounds to me as if it could be actually related to the bamboo. Now, there's an, an issue there I want to get to you about. OK. But first of all, you, have, you can't just chop it up and chuck it in a dustbin bag. Did you know the gentleman didn't mention that? People have to come and dispose of it yes, in apparently, a certain manner. Apparently there yeah. are environmental officers who will come right. and exterminate That's it right. because they have to use That's these horrible right. chemicals, right? And I wouldn't be yeah. safe. I wouldn't necessarily think no, my dog no. my dog would be no. safe around the chemicals. No. All these chemicals are carcinogenic. Air fresheners are carcinogenic. Don't touch them. I don't I'll use tell them. You what, I te- no, I don't. I'll tell you what we need to do. Do you know what it's called, by the way, this stuff? Fallopia japonica. Oh, is that the real name? That's the, that's the, proper, that's the proper name, Fallopia right. japonica. How about that? It's quite, pre- quite pretty, isn't yeah. it? Thank you. Yeah, no um, that's the Latin word, isn't it? OK. Um, well, when people talk about using bamboo mm. for clothing... Right. right? Clothing. And... Oh, yeah, haven't you heard of that? They can do, do sh- make shoes and clothing out of bamboo fibres now. Really? Haven't you heard of that? No, I don't think so. I, thought, I think, actually, oh, yeah. I have. I, I tell a lie. I've yeah, seen I bamboo I uh, I've seen bamboo socks, funnily enough. 
Exactly. Mm. Right. So instead of the government and everybody getting... Hey? So you, there's a way of processing it. You mash it down and macerate it. Right. There's something else that springs to my mind. Instead of the government scratching their heads, getting all worried about mm. this stuff, right. why don't they do some lateral thinking? Why don't we harvest it? It grows at the rate of knots. Yes. Why don't we harvest it and make houses out of it? Why don't we process what? it like they process MDF panels? Well, you can't make a house out of, of, of knotweed. Of course you can. Rubbish. How do you process a panel of MDF? Tell I've, me. I've no idea how you make MDF. What's it made from? It's 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 part wood and it's part something else. You know the panels of MDF you get. You make you get kitchen units made out yeah, of yeah. Michael. Yeah, I know that. But well, that's wood. Well, wood is a hard substance. Wood is well, something you can make ja- furniture well, with. Jap- Japanese nutweed is. I don't think so. It's, it's a co- it, look, if it's strong enough to penetrate concrete. The answer's there. Yeah, but that's when it's growing. It's nothing to do with the strength of the actual um, material. Bamboo is stronger than steel. Is it? Of course it is. Are you sure? Absolutely. Why don't they make cars out of it, then? Well, that's another option we could do. We could make boats out of it. Boats? We we need... Well, of course, we can make anything out of it. No, you can't. I don't agree with that. Of course you can. I think you've gone a bit mad, Susan. No. Some people in Plymouth made a boat out of plastic. Pandas? Plastic. Sorry, somebody else said pandas. (laughs) Plastic. Somebody else said pandas in my ear, I don't know why. Uh, Look, I love panda bears and I love animals. I wouldn't make anything out of a panda. Well, they eat bamboo. They eat bamboo, don't they? Yeah, well, we can we can ship it back over to China and give them some food because they're running out of bamboo. In China, why don't you send them back some Japanese knotweed? Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. If it's, it's the scientists need to the bot- botanical scientists yes. need to analyse it under a microscope because I think it's a form of bamboo. Well, listen, if it is, we can... you may be onto something, Susan. If they can build houses out of it, then that would be the answer, wouldn't it? Well, of course it would. We need to build 300,000 a year. Well, I'm now going to start looking around the, uh, Sussex to see if I can see any, because I'm a bit worried now that it's going to somehow take over. No, all, well, it will, but all we need to do, we can control it very easily. Just cultivate it. Yes. Cultivate it and use it. You see, as ever, Susan, we have the solutions on this show that the politicians don't find themselves getting anywhere near, because we're the clever people. I tell you what they are. I'm not educated, but I'm intuitive. These people are educated, but they have no common sense. That's, that's exactly that's right. Where the, you know, that's it. It's like my sister, her daughter-in-law is a concert pianist. Is she? She's a, she's a very clever young lady, mm. but she said she's got absolutely no common sense at all. Oh, dear. You thought you should say that on the radio. What, she's listening? She's a, she's a very lovely lady. OK, but you're saying she's got no common sense. No, well, that's what my sister says. She oh. had a baby and didn't know what to do with it. My sister had to sort it all out. A baby? But she's very intelligent. Yeah, she had a baby with with my sister's son. They right. got married and had a baby. Okay. But she didn't know what to do with it. My sister had to help. Okay. Well, some people, it takes a while to get to know um, uh, how to be a mother and all that. But listen, Susan, as ever, very kind of you to call. Thank you very much for your thoughts. Susan thinks that we can build houses out of Japanese knotweed. Uh, unfortunately, Martin Roberts is not here to tell us whether that's possible. But maybe she's right. Maybe you could cultivate this stuff because uh, tree roots, bamboo, um, apparently have done more damage to the environment than knotweed. Uh, however, um, nobody's ever suggested using it for anything. I don't know whether you can. Uh, let's talk to Joe Hemmings, though, because she's a psychologist and a relationship expert. Joe, very good afternoon to you. 
Good afternoon, Mike. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, um, it probably comes as no great surprise that this study from the University of Exeter and King's College London says that basically if you do number puzzles and word puzzles over the age of 50, uh, you're going to keep your brain functioning better, which I suppose is common sense, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, they, they improve specific cognitive abilities like memory, focus, mm. speed, logic. I mean, they don't really have have much help in terms of clarity of thinking or decision making but no. in terms of recall which is the thing that people often struggle with as they get older yeah you know they're, they're terrific boost people say use it or lose it and and never more so with the brain really yeah no i mean I've, i have not inherited i'm sorry to say my father had a great love of crosswords he used to do the times crossword every day um and i could never work out how he did it because it's far too difficult for me and i've never really been into crosswords i used to do sudoku a bit but i got a bit bored with it so now i don't do anything well, picking it up again. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a cognitive reserve, if you like. So keeping your brain off autopilot and in working mode is a good thing. But, you know, you have a busy, quite challenging job. It does much the same thing, actually. Yeah. It's only if we sort of don't, perhaps we're retired or don't have a particularly uh, challenging yes. job or and we're not doing anything to stimulate the brain, that's where that decline starts to happen quite quickly and yeah. I think what Sudoku and crosswords do is sort of not halt the decline but they certainly yeah. slow it down. I mean being a, being a psychologist you'll know more about the inner workings of the brain than, than most people. I mean is it something which is a part of the brain that you're using like physically a, a, a particular location? Uh, yeah what it does is um, if you do those sorts of complex tasks yeah. it sort of creates a greater number of connections between the brain cells maybe that's easier so I can say it so those connections which start to deteriorate over time, mm. um, they're sort of kept buzzing and, and sort of alive, if you like. So the more you use, you know, it just keeps them vital. That's what it does. And so I would say to anybody, you know, just kind of using your brain in whichever way it is, whether it is your job or whether it's doing puzzles, um, it, it cannot do any harm, let's put it like that. There's a lot of controversy. Some people say, no, 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 you know, it can't make a difference. Right. But even if it doesn't, if you believe that it does, that's kind of quite important too. Yeah, no, sure. And is it like, uh, I mean, does reading help as well? I mean, t t does it need to be a kind of puzzle as such? Is that the, is that the study's kind of fi finding? It needs to be something where you're quite actively partaking in it. Yeah. So you're in control. Reading is much more passive, I suppose. Nothing wrong with reading. Um, but you're not actually stretching yourself to... Uh, part, you know, take part in that activity. Mm, right. you're, you're just, you know, taking in those words, if you like. It's good, but it's not in quite the same way. Right. And I mean, is it the case that many people who do start to lose their sort of faculties of memory and that, uh, is that is that based on anything in particular, or can it be sort of inherited? What is it? Oh well, it's cognitive decline. Yeah. So yes, sometimes it's inherited. I'm afraid. Sometimes it's simply that we haven't used our brains sufficiently. And sometimes, actually, the other thing is exercise, you know, kind of exercising, which kind of fuels the brain a bit. Mm. Alongside these sort of puzzles are a great combo. And other lifestyle habits can, like smoking, drinking, I mean, yeah. they can all have a knock-on effect on the brain. So kind of having a healthier lifestyle 
and doing these sort of puzzles and keeping active probably your best opportunity to to have that right. 10 years younger yes. aspect going on yeah yeah well maybe i'll try and take up another cross i just i used to find the times crossword really really difficult because it was one of those where he would say to my dad would say to me oh well it's very easy this because when they put this particular phrase in you know that it means something else and oh so but you, that's it that's and i could never get any of it. I, could, I mean i find yeah. my, I, I i consider myself to be reasonably sort of literate and quite good with words but i could never get any of that well, again, it's like the more you do, the better you get at it. That's mm. the thing. So your dad probably was doing them so regularly, he picked up on little cues where yeah. he knew uh, what they were thinking when they set the questions. So and actually, I mean, these puzzles have been shown to actually increase IQ in people. So the more you do them, the higher your IQ becomes. Uh, but if you, if you do the first crossword the first time, it's going to be tough, so you've got to kind of stick with it. Um, right. And trouble is, we've now got Google, of course. So if we start, my father used to do them, lie awake in bed all night, you know, driving himself mad of a question he couldn't get, and then wake my mother up at three in the morning because he got the answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, know. Now, of course, you just kind of Google a couple of words, and there is your answer, which in some ways has taken away... Yes, I think that's yeah. true, actually, because everything yeah. is so easy to find now. I, mean, I talk, talk so to my children to about how difficult it used to be to look stuff up and you actually used to have to look in an encyclopedia or in a dictionary, you know, and you'd have to carry it and it's quite a heavy well, book yeah. and all that and they'll just look at you like you're talking absolute <laughs> madness. Like mad. Yeah. Well, or even just dig deep in the recesses of your brains. People don't bother now right. because there's so much, uh, so many more easy ways to... to Get that information. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we will in, in, in inevitably evolve into people with no memories at all. <laughs> indeed. Which, which for some nice people, laptop. which for yeah. some people, that would be great. But thank you very much indeed, uh, Joe Hemmings, there, psychologist and relationship expert, saying how important it is uh, to make sure that you do keep your memory working. Because in the end, if you just look everything up and just Google everything, you won't be actually storing any information at all. I was all, I was used to marvel at the old uh, newspaper library people uh, who used to work in in the newspaper library before they had such a thing. Uh, as Google because basically everything had to be clipped and it was a paper cutting that they knew but you could ring them up in the library and ask them something like who was Prime Minister in you know 1873 and they would know it off the top of their head they wouldn't even have to look it up incredible across the UK online and on DAB the independent republic of Mike Graham on talk radio if you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on talk radio via DAB online or via the talk radio app if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.